How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Back to the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980 95.9 FM and the Team 980 app. Draft is on Thursday night. We'll have full coverage right here on the Team 980. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday as well. Obviously, Thursday night's the first round. Friday night is second and third rounds, and then rounds four through seven on Saturday. Uh, In addition to doing the shows all morning, um, uh, during the morning all week long, I'll be on Saturday morning as well from 9 to 12. Charlie Casserly is our guest now. And let me just tell you, before we get to this draft, I was just talking about, I watched that NFL Network show. Um, I actually watched several of them on on past drafts, but the one on the 1983 draft is so fascinating because of the Baltimore situation with Elway and then Marino falling through that first round, Charlie. You're working with Bobby Bethard at that point here in D.C. You know, the Redskins ended up getting Daryl Green. I'm curious as Marino kept falling through the first round. You guys are defending Super Bowl champions, and you got Joe Theismann. But where did you have Dan Marino? Do you remember where you had him on your 1983 NFL draft board? Well, we had him in, we, we had him in the mix, but we were um, totally on, uh, centered on uh, Daryl Green as a corner. Um, we weren't looking to take a quarterback at that point in time. One thing about that draft, that may be the deepest first round in the history of the NFL. I'm not sure if I have this right, Kevin, but there was a rule in there for one year, freshmen couldn't play. And that this ended up, uh, then the freshman redshirt rule came back somewhere in there. I, I know I don't have this exactly right, but it was a double senior year that year. And that's why that draft is so deep. But we were focused on Daryl Green. I'll tell you an interesting story. I, I've never verified this, but I was told the Raiders were close to taking him but they took most of the tackle from USC uh, or the offensive line from USC. But he was in the hospital. They didn't know it. So I've never verified that, but that's the story we heard at the time. Otherwise, they could have taken Daryl Green. And the next guy on our board was Henry Ellard. Uh, Henry Ellard was. And Henry Ellard went early in the second round and, of course, eventually became a Redskin. It's interesting that you bring up the Raiders because part of this show, Charlie, I'm watching Marvin Demoff represented both – Elway and Marino in that draft, and he was close with Al Davis. And, and Alex, thing, he represented Bobby. He represented Bobby Beathard too, by the way. Oh, okay. And um, so he told the story. Demoff told the story that Al Davis is in the midst of his fight with the league. You know, he's in court and out of court during that period of time, and he called up Demoff and asked him if Marino could throw deep. And Demoff said, "Are you serious?" 
And he said, well, I just haven't had a chance to you know, scout like I typically have. And we know those Raider teams with Al Davis, what did he want? He wanted the quarterback that could throw the ball deep. And Demoff said he can throw it as deep as anybody. Um, and you know, he's got one of the strongest arms you've ever seen. Well, that's Al Davis. He was always <laughs> going to ask a lot of questions to a lot of people. But I can guarantee you, Ron Wolf told him he could throw deep in their meetings. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. By the way, you ended up getting the best of Al Davis, certainly in the in the Lachey uh, Schrader tr- uh, trade. That's that's got to be one of the better. Um, I mean, look, you know, I I, I was going to ask you about this, and and I'll get to it now, and we'll get to the other players here momentarily. But I saw a tweet out over the weekend that it was the 21 year anniversary of the of the Champ Bailey trade to to uh, yeah, of the uh, I'm sorry of the uh, tr- uh, Ricky Williams trade uh, with the Saints. But that Lachey trade has to be one of those trades that you're incredibly proud of, right? Well, Bobby Bethard was the general manager, so give him credit for that one. It was a combination of a lot of things there. Um, depending on which side of the story you want to take here. Uh, but first of all, first lesson, if you want to get traded, bash your owner. That gets you traded. Don't t- ask for a new contract. Don't say you're going to hold out. Just rip the owner. Once Lachey ripped um, Alex Spanos, it was over. Okay? Um, so he gets sent to the Chargers. Excuse me, gets sent to the Raiders. Now, um, Al Davis needed a quarterback. That, that, that was his feeling. He had to get a quarterback. And, and of course, Schrader had been a deep thrower, um, had some big years. And uh, so he, he focused on him. So it was all about getting Schrader. And he didn't want to give up Lachey. Part of the story is he gave uh, Bobby about five, six names. Uh, you know, Howie Long and uh, Tim Brown, uh, Marcus Allen. So Bobby said, well, we'll take so-and-so. And Al Davis goes, I'm not going to trade him. And Bobby goes, well, you gave me those names. And he says, oh, they weren't for real anyway. So that's part of the discussion, see? And then finally, uh, you know, Bobby focused on Lachey, and Al Davis didn't want to give him up. But he wanted to trade so bad, that's how the deal came. And there were some extra draft choices thrown in there, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that yeah. Bobby was able to get out. So that, that, that was a great trade that, you know, Bobby executed there. And Lachey came here, we put him at right tackle, see, because Jacoby was left. He wasn't the right tackle. So then we switched him, and obviously Lachey became, to me, the best left tackle during the game there for a few years. And oh, then, was, unfortunately, injuries ended his career. He was spectacular. Now, who was on the list of players that Al Davis gave Bobby, gave the team, who did Bobby pick? I, I couldn't tell you. I don't remember, to be honest with you. I mean, you but Marcus Allen made, was one of the they options? They were all great players. He, was his best, he offered his best players, but he didn't mean it. <laughs> so, but he did it. So anyway, uh, I see this tweet come out over the weekend of about 20, 21 years, Bobby. It's crazy. And I actually said, uh, how long – you've been evaluating players now for 40-plus years, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you got the internship with George Allen, what year was that? Uh, 77. Good God. George Allen yes. last year. Yeah. So – um, just give us real quickly how the whole, you know, uh, trade with the Saints, essentially, you know, trading, you know, the 99 first round pick for their ent- entire draft and beyond that, how that came about. Well, at the league meeting in March, Ditka announces that, uh, Mike Ditka announces that he'll trade his entire draft to get Ricky Williams, see? 
and we're picking five. They're picking 11. So I called up Billy Koharik, the general manager, who's kind of in the middle of this thing, unfortunately for him, and says, hey, put us, on, put us in here for this one. But I said, you don't have a second, so it, it's not going to work. we got to have a first and a third the following year, but put us in line. So kept the conversation going through all through the spring. Uh, the Colts traded Marshall Falk, so now they needed a running back, uh, and they picked fourth ahead of the Saints. And no one was sure whether it was going to be Williams or Edgar and James to go for. See, um, as it evolved, first three picks were going to be quarterbacks. So uh, Cleveland was there. They were going to take Tim Couch. Billy takes Donovan McCabe. And since he's three, they take Achilles Smith. So that you kind of knew that was going to happen. And, uh, again, I just kept in touch with the Saints um, all spring. Now we get into the week of the draft. We keep in touch. I haven't changed my price, and they haven't said no to it. So – the morning of the draft, uh, we still don't know what's going to happen. Okay, Now, you got to understand, there's a whole another story here. Uh, the team is up for sale. Um, at that point, uh, as we sat there, first of all, for most of the spring, uh, I, I knew I was going to be fired if the team was sold. Okay, It had already been determined. In fact, that the, the group that was buying the team, Howard Milstein, had tried to fire me after the Brad Johnson trade, but the league said you can't fire him, you don't own the team. See? Right. So I knew I was out of there, but I, the whole spring we're working like we don't know when our last day of work is. So uh, Milstein bows out because he can't get the votes. So now we're back in business, but we don't know if we're going to be there. So morning of the draft, um, I talked to the Saints at 9 o'clock, confirmed the deal if uh, Ricky Williams is there. Um, I then get on the phone and try to work back up. Chicago was the only team interested in trading back uh, from 7 to 11. They wanted Cade McNown, so I had to convince them Cade McNown would be there. Convince them. Okay, so now we have a framework of a deal. So I meet with the scouts, and I said, you know, here's our option. We can go back to 11. Everybody agreed we'll go back to 11. Okay, no question. Who would we take at 11? Well, you line up 11 players, and Javon Kirst was the one of the, guy, was one of the, one of the guys that would be in our top 11. That's the guy that we would take if we're at 11. Okay, so we got that. So I called John Cook and say, okay, here's what we got here. Now, I said to him, I said, now, now here's the thing. I said, now, again, we don't know who's going to own the team. He might own the team. I said, John, if we make this trade, we move back, okay, and it's more of a trade for the future because we get a one next year. Now, we still, you know, got a good pick this year. Um, uh, he said, do what's best for the future of the team. The team is more important than us, whether we own, whether I own it or not, which I thought was a hell of a thing for him to say. Yeah, right. So, so that clinches the deal. So, sure, the Saints got uh, – Edgar and James goes for. Ricky Williams is there. Talk to the Saints. Consummate the deal. We're back at 11. They take Ricky Williams. Um, Now I come back to Chicago. Um, Again, we're doing all this at right after the – really the number of six at this point in time. The Rams are on the clock, and we want to get to seven. Well, they come back, and and, and they stick it to me. They want to add another three to the deal. So now you got to make a decision. Do you tell them to, you know – Hell, the hell with you, or you make the deal, and you decide to make the deal, okay? So, you know, we gave up probably too much in one sense, but we kept the number one the next year. That was the right. whole thing to me is we weren't giving up that one because um, we knew we could get a real good player at 11. So th- that's how we came to the deal, and then we eventually traded some picks in the second to go get John Jansen at the, at the, the top of the second round, um, or whoever we were picking at that point in the second round. So. 
So, but Champ Bailey was the guy, right? I mean, if you stay at eleven, yeah. it's curse. But you went up there because you you loved Champ Bailey. We did. He was he was the best player on our board, and and obviously he had you know an unparalleled career at corner, more Pro Bowls than any corner in the history of the NFL. Uh, yeah. But you know we liked Champ. Um, he had actually played two ways as a senior. He was a starting right. receiver, and he led the team in receptions going into the last game of the year. Yeah. Um, and so he rallied, he practiced, as I'm trying to remember, I got he did individual work with the receivers and teamwork with the defense. So he really never did any technique work as a defensive back. Uh, so he was a little raw when he came, but you, know, you could see the ability and the want to. How did you know, just out of curiosity, that Cade McNown would be there? Did you just didn't, did, were you not a big fan of him and you just thought there weren't teams in front that had the quarterback need, right? You know, Kevin, you never know, okay? Uh, but you do, you know, you have all this information that's in front of you about what you think is going to happen. Uh, and I had two really good sources that, that were very reliable over the years. And, um, and I don't remember if there wasn't a, uh, a team taking a quarterback during that period, but, but I, I, I was convinced he was going to be there. And I think Chicago must've been convinced too, after we talked and they felt comfortable about trading back. You know, the other thing, and you've told me this before, and we're talking to Charlie Casserly, but it's really interesting is that the Milstein group, and then eventually Snyder as well, didn't he also want the the Brad Johnson trade to be to be undone? I don't know. Uh, I don't know anything about where Dan Snyder was on the Brad Johnson trade. Uh, I know, you know, Milstein was the lead uh, owner at that point, and um, all it was said to me, uh, first of all, I don't. Uh, they couldn't, they couldn't, I don't know, maybe that's the right term to say, have it undone. I know they wanted to fire me. I know that for a fact. Okay. And um, because that was said to me, <laughs> okay, by, uh, by John Cook and, um, and the league uh, nixed it. So those facts I know. Okay. I know they were upset at it. And, and I guess you probably could say, yeah, they wanted it uh, uh, undone. So. You know, if it had been undone, that you you would have never had the ninety nine ten and six season and playoff season, where you know, really, if you look through the last two decades, that's about as close to the NFC Championship team as, game as this team and this franchise has been. You know, up thirteen nothing in the divisional playoff game at Tampa uh, that year, with a chance yeah. to go to St. Louis for the NFC title game. All right, um, first of all, I, I should have started by by asking you. How are you? I mean, this is a crazy time we're living through. How are you? you? You and your family healthy and well? Right, we are. We're fortunate. You know, you do the grocery store at 6 in the morning. You do drive-thrus, and <laughs> you don't go in places. So uh, so we're fortunate. We're do- How about you and your family? We're, we're doing well. We're doing well. And, and the, the fact that I'm able to come in and do this show every day is actually, uh, I think, a, a godsend because it, it keeps us busy. Um, what will teams, Charlie, miss out on um, in this particular draft with these circumstances, not being able to spend more time with prospects, you know, pro days, interviews, et cetera? How big of a deal is this? Well, I'm, I'm going to answer your question, then I'm going to give you a second part to the answer. Um I think that having your doctors uh, finish the physicals, your doctors and trainers finish some of the physicals they have questions on, you know, that, that, that's, that's important. Um, you're not going to have 40 times on players, uh, a number of them, uh, especially some uh, you know, wide receivers, pass rushes, corners, and that, that's, that's critical. Uh, so that's something. Players that don't go to the combine, you would have spent extra time with them working them out. Um, 
when you have players rated close together, you like to work them out uh, just to kind of see what the, the difference is live in, in your drills as opposed to the combine drills. So it's a combination of those things. But when I came into the league, there was not a combine. There was no tape library at all, no film library. Uh, if you wanted it, you, you ordered it from the college. Then you had, you had to send it back. Um, interviews weren't common. Uh, workouts weren't common in the spring. And uh, uh, it was more common than not to draft players without physicals. So what did it come down to? It came down to uh, superior scouting. You know, superior scouts at the schools, when they were there, gathering the information, evaluating the players. Um, and I think that's going to be part of this in this draft. Now, I think if you've got extra picks, that's going to be an advantage. You might see teams be a little bit more conservative on players. And you've got to win college free agency because there'll be more talented players after the draft than normal. You know, it's 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 interesting because not being able to do that medical, and I suggested the following, and maybe that's what you meant when you said more conservative, that perhaps the you know the fifth round guy that if he hadn't torn the ACL last year would have been a second or maybe even a first round guy, but you're going to roll the dice because you had your medical look at him, whatever the injury might be, and you think you're getting a steal because the guy's going to come back healthy. It's going to be hard to, to make those picks this year, right? Right, you're gonna. Have, that's where if you have extra picks, you might roll the dice. Uh, otherwise, you, you know, some guys, you know, and again, this is an opinion, but teams have told me they're going to drop some players in the draft because of a lack of information, and that's where good scouts come in because uh, uh, medicals are a roll of the dice. I never went against the doctors, but you know, Curtis Martin was a guy taken off draft boards. He's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Drew Brees was failed by Miami, passed by New Orleans. He's going to the Hall of Fame. In the expansion draft with Houston, Willie Rofe was rejected by the doctors. Tony Baselli was passed. Tony Baselli never played a down for us. Willie Rofe went on to a Hall of Fame career uh, with Kansas City. So um, medicals are uh, uh, not always perfect because it's an opinion. It's a guess. Two is totally a guess, the Alabama quarterback. Nobody knows. Um, you have medical opinions, and the doctors will tell you, here's what we think, but there's nobody knows. So uh, uh, even when you have them, there's an element of guessing. Who's the best player in this draft? Uh, Chase Young. Um, yeah, I think the guy's a complete player. Uh, he's one of the best defensive ends I ever scouted. Uh, I've said on the air that uh, he's more consistent than Miles Garrett. This is all College State now. Um, he's a better athlete than Mario Williams, uh, more productive and healthier than J.B. and Clowney. And they're all top picks in the draft. And going back to Julius Peppers, he's more – uh, instinctive and more productive than Julius Peppers was in college. So, uh, complete player. What does he do to the Redskins if they pick him at number two, which you know I, I'm starting to think is a near lock at this point, Charlie? And I'll ask you about the kind of trade packages that maybe you'd be interested in there. But what what the addition to Ch- of Chase Young to their defense? What does he do? Well, he gives you an elite rusher that the teams have to double-team and build their game plan around, so he makes whoever is on the other side better. Carrigan is going into the last year of his contract, as I understand. Phenomenal career, but production was off last year, and maybe he lost a step in watching him. Uh, so uh, it, it gives you a good three-man rotation. Uh, it gives you a guy that should be a top rusher uh, for the next 10 years, so to speak, uh, and it gives you a guy the defense has to build their game plan around. Plus, the guy can play the run, too. Is he better than Bosa? Well, see, I, he's better 
and Joey Bosa, who went to the Chargers. But as far as Nick goes, I have a hard time comparing it to Nick because I think Nick played three games, as I understand it, my senior years. I remember it. That's true. I, I don't want to compare a guy who plays three games against a guy who plays a whole season. See, and and what happens is people begin to think, think that well, it's Nick Bosa. But how much of Nick Bosa are you thinking about how he played this year? Because the guy had a phenomenal year this year. He's one of the best defensive players in football. So um, I just take a pass on that one because the the game time comparisons. We're talking to Charlie Casserly, uh, of course, longtime NFL general manager here, Houston, um, and now uh, doing a lot of work for the NFL Network. Um, so, what kind of package would you consider, or wouldn't you? Uh, I'm sure you're, you know, all ears to anybody wanting to trade up to number two. But if you're Washington, you know, what would it take for for you not to take Chase Young? Well, I'm not sure there is something. Okay, you you can get caught up in, in taking uh, talking. So, first of all, they've had this is all fantasy because they haven't had any office, and I don't think Detroit or the Giants have had any offers either, from what I can gather. Okay. Um, so, to me, I wouldn't trade the pick. Uh, you win with great players, uh, and I think that uh, you'd have to have um, the minimum is a one next year that you thought was going to be high, and that's all. That's a guess. That's a guess. Um, and I, now you could go back a ways. If you want to take a tackle, I mean, you can go all the way back to 10 if you want, uh, and, and get a decent tackle, um, and have you one next year. And then, you know, you want to fill in the blank of the two. So that would have to be the start of the discussion. And there's really, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, when we took Mario Williams one, uh, Shaw Ferguson went four. Uh, Mario Williams had a better career, more Pro Bowls. Uh, he was All Pro uh, one year, second team All Pro two years. For- Ferguson never had any of those things, but Ferguson played left tackle at a high level, for, never missed a game. So uh, you're liable to get one of those tackles who does that for ten years. But I'd still take uh, Chase Young. Did you have an opportunity to trade back to four in that j- draft with the Jets, or were you just using that as an example? No. First of all, when I call, what you do is you call everybody, Kevin. You want to know what the market is. Right. Okay? And um, when I called the Jets, Tannenbaum had a great line. And you have to remember, at that point, there was no rookie wage scale like we have now. So you were going to pay uh, Mario Williams or whoever you took at number one, $9 million a year average. And I think it was $50 million signing bonus, and uh, which is absurd, but that's what it was. And uh, he says to me, he says, I said, what, do you, what would you give us for the pick? He says, no, you got it backwards. I says, what do you mean? He says, what are, what are you going to give me for the pick? Meaning, <laughs> I don't want to pay that kind of money. Right. So. Yeah. Um, talking to Charlie Casserly. All right, give me the players that you really love in this draft, the ones that you know, you've know you evaluated that you, you, you really, really like. Well, I like Burrow a lot. Um, I like Tua if I knew he was healthy. Uh, I think they're both top five picks. Chase Young. Jeff Okuda, uh, top corner. I think he's a top five pick in every draft. Uh, the offensive lineman, um, I think Beckton's the, the best one, uh, but I think there'll be other reasons why he doesn't go number one. I think he's a top ten pick in any draft. I think uh, Jedrick Wills of Alabama, he's a top ten pick in any draft. Derek Brown is a top ten pick in any draft, the defensive tackle from Auburn. Uh, you know, those are some of the players. There's a number of players I like in the strap, but those are some of them. You haven't mentioned Isaiah Simmons. A lot of people like him and have compared him to some all-time greats. What do you think of him? Well, it's an interesting guy. I do like him, and it's interesting. 
I, I talked to three coaches over the weekend who are you know very highly respected coaches, and they all major questions about the guy. Where are you going to play him? Is this guy a jack of all trades and a master or none? Okay, um, I like him. I think uh, I think he's I think he could be a first of all an excellent nickel player for you, covering tight ends and and running backs, and that, and it's hard to find that that guy. That guy doesn't exist very often. Um, I think he could play both safety positions, um, though. I but I but you know it's not you see a, see a lot of them in different positions, but you don't see every play at one position, and that can be dangerous when you scout them. I see him line up a corner sometimes. I think maybe he could do a little press corner for you. As a linebacker, I think he's got to be a run and chase outside linebacker in a, in, a, in a four three defense. I do not see him being an inside linebacker in a thirty four defense. Um, so, but I do like. Him. And I'll and be in my top ten in my mock draft that comes out Thursday. Lots of receivers, Charlie. A lot of people talking about the depth at receiver. Who do, who do you like the most out of Ruggs and Judy and Jefferson and all of them? Well, I've got a Judy, Lamb, draw line, Ruggs, uh, and then uh, uh, then maybe draw another line. You know, at that point in time, and go to Jefferson. But those are my top four in that order. A lot of varying opinions, though. I, I think there's a lot of receivers, but I don't know. I don't know how many guys you double cover. Meaning, I don't know how many number one receivers we got in this draft. We got a lot of twos and threes, I think. Um, you mentioned that uh, based based on what you know, the Redskins, Lions, Giants, none of them have been offered anything from anybody below to move up. You know, theoretically. Um, hypothetically, to get a quarterback. Do you see any trades in the middle portion or the back half of this draft? Well, it's hard to say when you get to the back half. I know it's, Atlanta is out there. They want to trade up. A right. lot of teams want to trade back, especially the end of the first round. I see a lot of those teams want to get out of there. Um, it's just hard to say at this point. Uh, my gut is San Francisco will want to get a receiver, and if they have to move up, they will, and that's just a gut. Just kind of knowing Kyle Shanahan's personality, um, he'll want to he'll want to come out of this uh, with something that uh, can help the team have a big impact. Uh, and if he feels he can't get the guy he wants, uh, my, his DNA is to move up and do that. Uh, we'll see if it happens. Um, one thing is, uh, I, I think you'll I think you'll see some trades, but as this draft goes on, you'll probably see fewer trades. Teams are going to be concerned about uh, uh, being able to execute trades, I believe, until until it gets going. And then maybe they'll have more confidence. Last one, and I'll let you run, and I appreciate the time. You know that always. Trent Williams, how does this get resolved? Well, my gut is he's not a Redskins, and they're not going to get much for him. Uh, that's my gut. I would, if I was doing this, I would work hard to get something in the next year's draft, not this year's draft. And even if I had to get something in the following draft or something like that, I'd try to get the highest pick I could. You're in a tough spot, Kevin, because – the guy, uh, once you let a guy talk to other teams, um, then he, he'll make a deal with a team, and then that team won't trade. That team will try to uh, screw the Redskins, to put it bluntly, and offer them virtually nothing, knowing that they'll probably release him, and the player will end up with that team. I've been through that scenario, see? And, uh, you know, you have a situation where Ron, I mean, Ron Rivera did the right thing. He said, Why would I give you a new contract? I haven't even seen you play. Come to camp. Let me see you. Okay, and that's that's the right. When you take yeah. over a program, that's the right thing you do. You don't reward a guy for violating his contract. So, uh, 
Uh, my gut is he's not there, and they're not going to get a lot for him. So I hope that's I hope they get something for him. Because what's not, not a lot? Uh, to me, see this this is this, this guy's a steal at a second round pick. If you think about it, yeah. okay. If he plays anywhere near where he played before, you're not going to get a player like this in the second round. You're sure as heck not going to get one like him in the third round. So if you're sitting down there and all you're getting is a fourth or a fifth for him, um, you know that that's I mean that's that's it. I, and I don't know what they have. I don't know if they even have an offer for the guy. Okay, uh, they may have an offer, and, and now it, uh, they they don't they don't want it. It'll disappear during the draft. Um, if they had something good, it'd be done by now. So common sense says that it isn't. Yeah, right. I mean, at this point, personally, if, if it was a fourth or a fifth, I'd say you're coming back and playing for me. Well, you, ha- you have that attitude now. I mean, if you have the cap room and they do, um, don't give them away. He, not, he won't be a distraction. The distraction was last year. Uh, I, I have a hard time believing anybody will take his side and cause a distraction after, you know, you've allowed him to negotiate with other teams. Um, he's missed a year. He wouldn't care for the neutral medical exam. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd I probably do that. So, myself. You're the best. I really appreciate the time. Stay healthy. Stay well. Best to you and your family. Talk soon and enjoy this week. Okay, you too now, Kevin.